You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Simpsonville teaching pastor, Jason Thompson. I want to kind of share with you just a little bit of the history of the church. I want to take you back in time just a little bit. It's going to be a very quick history run. Um, I want to skip over a ton of miracles and a, a ton of key happenings, but I want you to see why we are who we are and how God has got us to this point and why we're going where we're going, all right? And I think our history ex- explains that. So about nine years ago, a couple hundred people said, we want to do church together, all right? But we had no building. We had no money. We had no resources, So we did not know how to do this thing. We had a name, which was weirdly enough, Renovation Church. We felt very clearly that God gave us that name. And I'll be honest, like I voted for a different name because I didn't understand how Renovation Church meant anything, right? We didn't even have a building. So what are we renovating, right? And so, um, but but we we were like, God said, Renovation Church, he says, do this thing, let's do this thing. We didn't know how because we didn't, didn't have money, didn't have resources, didn't have a building. Well, God opened the door very quickly for us to move into a movie theater. And as we moved into movie theater, we're like, how are we gonna do this? And we didn't even have our 501c3 yet. We didn't know how to take, you know, tithes and offerings because we didn't officially have a, an accountant or anything like that. Well, a church named Bridgeway Church is like a charismatic church from the local area. Their, their name has changed a couple times now. But it was at the time, Bridgeway Church, they said, hey, we will process all your finances for free. You can use our 501c3. And, and it, in fact, they hosted our first ever meeting as a church, and we said, hey, we're gonna do church together. And so we hosted this meeting at their building, and the first service that we had, which is kind of information service, we, we raised $36,000 was given all right, as, an, as an offering. Now, just to give you an idea, our offering normally happened the next couple months. Our weekly offering was like eight to 12,000. So 36, right at the front, we were like, God is in this. So that guy gave us enough money to actually pay some staff and then also to, to rent a place in the movie theater. And so we got in there in record time, but again, we didn't know how we were gonna afford all the rental equipment. Well, Simpsonville First Baptist, probably the biggest, most prestigious church in this area, said, hey, 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 we will donate, we will just let you have for, for free for a period of time um, the audio and visual for two complete theaters for you to run your programs. And so they gave us this they, amazingly nice projectors. They also gave us a trailer to haul all the stuff like for free, they did that for six months for absolutely free. And then another church, um, one of the most prestigious African-American churches in the area, Bethlehem Baptist said, hey, we have a wing of our building that we're no longer using for a school, why don't you have your preschool here? And we're like, yeah, that would be beautiful, but we can't afford it. We're like, tell you what, we'll give it to you for a fourth of the cost. And so what normally would charge about eight to $10,000 a month, they gave us for $2,000 a month and said, just come, come do service with us. And so we, we started our preschool, which we desperately needed, and they have never raised the rent one time since in nine years. We just have a beautiful working relationship. So all these things were happening. God was just blessing us, blessing us, blessing us through other churches. So we have a heart for working with other churches. We also have a heart for just going where God leads. It did not make sense to start a church the way we started a church in a movie theater of all things called Renovation Church. But God said to do it and we followed. 
So we're meeting in the movie theaters, and, and the seats are awesome. I mean, cushy seats, you kind of rock in, right? I mean, it, that was cool. And it smelled like popcorn, which was beautiful. And so those were the two highlights of it. Everything else was hard, okay? Because you had to move in at 6 in the morning. We're hauling everything in, setting up. It had to be, we had to be gone by noon, all right? And so we, and we, couldn't, we couldn't mingle and gather. We didn't have a good place for the kids. So we were feeling the burden of needing a building. Like, God, we need a building. And so we did everything from human wisdom would require. We went around and looked at every single commercial site that, for rental in the area and I, and, or, or, or that you could buy. And we, we narrowed it down to a couple different places. And then one, and our senior pastor even did prayer walks around that took other people. We did prayer walks. We was like, we want this place, right? We want this place, all right? And we did all these things and we're about to pull the trigger on a contract and God says, no, don't do it. But God, we need a building. No, don't do it. And so we listened. And we didn't know what God was doing. But that very same week, we started conversations with a church called Westside Baptist. And they invited us to, to take, take them over, basically join together and do church together. And so this awesome building that we are in, literally the keys were just handed to us and said, here you go. And so instead of going into deep debt or paying a huge rental cost and all those different things, we got an even better facility and we got to do, to do church with amazing, awesome people. The people that stayed from Westside Baptist were some of our most mature Christians and leaders in this church. And so together, we did church together and it was a beautiful thing. God just opened doors. All right, so fast forward quite a ways then, all right? And it is in 2019, and we have three services. We are bursting at the seams. We are like, we have got to do church a different. We have, we have got to plant another church. We, we've exhausted what this building can do. And so we brought in a, a, a church, multi-church specialist, a guru, like, like world-renowned, like nationally renowned guy. He came in full of wisdom, gave us great insights, and he was telling us that you need to, like, do a campaign, raise about a half a million dollars, all right, get one to 200 people to send out, go about 20 minutes away to a place that does not have a lot of other churches like you, and this is how you do it the right way. And one of our guys on staff just raised his hand and said, well, how about if we grow by other churches that are kind of dying or struggling and they just ask us to take them over like we did, you know, one time before with Westside Baptist, all right? And so um, we... The, the guy just kind of chuckled and he goes, <laughs> that's kind of like a one in a million thing. You don't see that happen very often. You can't plan for that, all right? So you do it this way, like churches aren't just gonna ask you to come in and, and, and basically join them, all right? And, ju and just turn the keys over to you. And we're like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, hand slap, we'll just, we'll do this, right? So fall of 2019, we are about to launch a, a series and do a campaign to raise, try as much as we close as we can to a half million dollars. At least $250,000 was our, our bottom line goal. And so we're gearing up, we're excited, and we're thinking we're gonna send, we're just either gonna be like Woodruff or Piedmont, that's about 20 minutes away. We, they don't have churches exactly like ours. This is gonna be cool. All right, this is the plan. And then in, right before we launched that series, God said, stop, don't do that. I have something different in mind. We're like, God, why? Like, this makes the most sense. We don't have room. We need another, we need to plant a church. But he said, don't. And so we listened and just changed the series to a series called Still Small Voice. 
about just listening to God's voice. And so, I don't know if you're doing the timeline in your head, but this is the fall of 2019, all right? 2020 comes and we no longer have a space issue, all right? So like everyone leaves. We shut the church down for a while. We're like, oh, thank you, God, for protecting us from launching a campaign that would go nowhere in a church that we didn't need, all right? And so we actually, we went back down to two services and there was plenty of space because no one wanted to be around each other. We were all spread out in here. And it took, it took a number of people a while to come back. And so we're like, oh, dodged a bullet. And then at the end of summer 2020, like we got some prophetic messages that said, hey, you are going to have another church. I'm gonna give you another church. We're like, say what? Like, wait, we, what do you mean? We're in survival mode. We have plenty of space now. We don't need another church and we've got too much on our plate. We don't want another church. But God said, be ready. And in, in a year, you're gonna find out that there's gonna be another church coming your way. So we're like, we hope that's not a real message, but we'll, 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 we'll take it into consideration, right? And so sure enough, uh, in, in the following summer, like a year later, another church said, hey, I want you to come over, I'm gonna retire, and I want you to take over my church. And at this time, we were like, we were starting to get fuller, all right? The people had started to come back. We were kind of bursting the seams, but we were still tired from 2020. And it was, it was stressful to think about going from one lo- location to two locations and how that would work. But we were obedient. And so we started uh, working with that church. It was the Edge Church in Greenville, which was not a location where we would have gone. There are a million churches like us in Greenville, right? And so, uh, but that is where he, he opened the door. That's where he said to walk. And so, you know, we were handed the keys to another church. That did happen. And so... During this process, we were just trying to figure out now, okay, this is now one church to two churches. And that doesn't sound that complicated, but it is really complicated. Like, how are we gonna maintain the vision? How are we gonna maintain the culture? How are we gonna coordinate between both locations? How are we gonna do finances? How are we gonna do insurance? How are we gonna do the website and the database? Are we going, every location that we have, are we gonna expect these churches to kind of just figure that out on their own? How much are we gonna support them? Who's gonna support them? We're all busy with what we're doing now. How is this going to work? And so this is when we developed the idea of central. Now I know that you have probably heard that term and you've probably wondered, what is central? I don't think you guys have fully explained central. I'm gonna do my best today to help you understand what central is, all right? So we got this idea of like, we need a different branch. We have Simpsonville and we have Greenville, all right? We need another branch that helps coordinate between the locations. We need a branch that will provide support services for both locations so that these locations can do the local ministry that God called them to do and not have to worry about all the details, not have to worry about the curriculum and the vision and the culture and make sure they're maintaining it, but some, a, a branch that coordinates and makes sure these people have what they need and also that these people are maintaining the theology, the vision, and the culture that makes Renovation Church what Renovation Church is. What we didn't want is what a, a lot of churches do, and, and this is beautiful for them, we don't mind, but we didn't wanna send out like satellite churches where they're hearing from one speaker and, we, and watching stuff on screen without a, a live preaching and live worship and all that kind of stuff. We didn't want that. 
we also didn't want to micromanage these churches because each church needed to be unique. They're in different parts of the city, all right? They have different type of people in them, and so we wanted the flexibility for them to be able to do ministry how they needed to do ministry to the people that were coming to their church. But we didn't want that to worry about all the other things, and so we, dis- we developed something, and we've been working very hard the last two years on developing systems and processes that make sense and building out what central is going to look like. Now, I, I, so it was very clear early on that there are certain aspects that we did not want all the new locations that we may get in the future to worry about. We did not ha- want them to worry about insurance. We did not want them to worry about how payroll worked or the accounting practices that we needed to maintain this renovation church. We also didn't want them to have to worry about an IT specialist and figuring out the database problems that they might have and the system and the website and all those different things. As we grew, we did not want them to have to worry about that. We wanted them to focus on ministry. So we, we went and took some Simpsonville people and made them 100% central people. For example, Matthew Meekins, he is our IT specialist. He is the guru of all things database and websites. He develops all those IT systems and he does that for both locations. He is a central employee. We also have Renee Brown, who does an amazing job with our counting. We way overwork her, but you know, she's hanging in there, right? Like, and so she is the person that handles processing payroll and making sure our accounting practices are where they need to be and that we have financial accountability. She does that for both locations and for Littletown and for our camp, all those different things. No one else has to worry about those things. Like she and our, our, our treasurer, Liz Gruss, work together and they're kind of like central employees for, in that way. And so they focus on all those things. Now we have, because of where we're at, we only have two locations right now, all right? We have a lot of people that are double dipping. Jeremy, our senior pastor, is double dipping. He is the primary teaching pastor here, although you've seen him less because he's had so much on his plate that I've filled that role up a little bit, all right? But he's our primary teaching pastor for Sensible. He has been for years. But he has transitioned the last two years into this central overall leader that is in charge of maintaining the vision and the culture and making sure the local lead pastors have what they need and that they they are spoken into, all right? And so he is the overall vision for that. Um, and his wife, Jessica, she left being the, the local lead pastor here for women, women's ministry leader, and she gave that over to Amy, who's done an amazing job. Amy Pecoraro is leading our women for Simpsonville, just as Ashley, Matt's wife, is leading it for Greenville. But Jessica moved into a central role where she is over women's ministry. She's also over our events, so big events that are centralized events, the things that we do like Easter and, and, and that kind of stuff and uh, Christmas and planning those different things. She is over those central events. And those central events, anytime you hear of about a central event, that means two churches coming together. That means all the churches that we have in the future, it's a central event, it's where we all come together. That's central. I'm also double dipping. I am the discipleship pastor here, but I'm also the discipleship pastor over discipleship for Renovation Church. So if we had three, four, five locations, I would be still discipleship over them until we put someone else in that place. Eventually, if we have enough churches in the future, 
probably everyone in Central will have to be solely focused on Central. We will not be able to double dip if we have more than two, three locations. But again, Central is for providing support for all the different locations. That is what Central does. It supports services so the local churches can do care ministry, so they can do children's ministry, so they can do student ministry, so they can do men's and women's ministry, so they can, do, they can focus on the Sunday morning teaching. They can focus on the ministry work because Central is there to make sure that we have the culture and vision and that we have all the support services that are needed. So this is where we're going. And now you're like, Jason, you're talking like about all these occasions. We have two. Central might not have been necessary if we only had two locations forever. But we don't feel like that's what God is going to do. Personally, and I can, I can vouch for most of the staff, we would be perfectly okay if we only had two locations for the rest of our lives. All right? More locations is more problems, all right, that we had to figure out, and it's a lot of work. And it, this, has been, this, this has been some of the hardest years of ministry the past year or two. It's been constant meetings, constantly figuring out what our systems and processes look like, becoming more professional, not doing things just so laid back like church world, but like doing things in a professional, efficient way. And we've had, we've had to work those things out, and it's been hard. And so it'd be more comfortable to only do two, but God has not called us to do things that are comfortable. He has called us to send out and be a light to the world. So we need to provide seating capacity and we need to provide space so that more people can buy into what the Lord is doing through this church. And so we are trying to make room and we're going wherever God leads. Now there is a rumor floating around the volunteers. I have heard it, it's gotten back to me. There is a rumor that we already know where our third location is gonna be. I am here to tell you, we have no clue, not even an inkling. Like God has not told us where in any way, shape, or form. I have no idea. I am praying that it is in the Fountain Inn, Malden, Simpsonville area, so some of these people at this church can go to that church pretty easily, all right? I'm not gonna tell you which people, all right, but I am, I, like some people, we need space here. It's getting out of control, all right? So that's my heart, but I don't know what God is gonna do. But, all right, I'm gonna just be very transparent with you. God has told several people, not just one, not just two, several people that we are going to get a new location in the near future, all right? That we'll at least know where it is as soon as, as the end of 2024. And we've had lots of confirmations to that, all right? I'm telling you this up front, so you can be on the inside of knowing that when we get a prophetic word, and if it doesn't happen, if we have no clue where we're going at the end of 2024, we were wrong about something, and that's okay, all right? But what we do is we, we receive from what the Lord is trying to say, we, we follow as best we can, and if we're wrong on timing or whatever it might be, that's fine, but we have heard so many messages about us having more than two locations that we know it's coming, and so we're preparing for the future. Not because we have any kind of ambition, because I can tell you we have a low ambition staff, all right? We like convenience and comfort and ease, right? But we do have a staff that loves Jesus. We do have a staff that has seen that God's way is better always. And so where he leads, we will follow. 
So wherever he wants us to go, we are going to go. We are going to send out. And the beautiful thing about this process, and one of the reasons I believe that he's stretching us in this way, is because every time that we make room, people step up. And so the people that we sent, we sent out 60 to 80 people to Greenville, and some of those were all-star volunteers, but a lot of those people that went weren't really plugged in. But when they went over, every single person that went over was immediately a volunteer. And so while we have about 20% of our church that volunteers here in Simpsonville, their ratio is about 70 to 80% volunteer over there. They are plugged in and doing life together and they are serving the Lord. And so the more room that you make, the more people have to step up. And so we want to send people out so that they're stretched and that they're growing and that they're maturing to be followers of Christ. And so that is our heart, that's where we're going. So this is why we're giving you this vision and culture book. It explains the heart beats behind why we do what we do and where we're going. And I'm not gonna go into detail about the beginning of it where it says we will grow small and we will build big because Jeremy actually did two messages on that back at the end of February and early March. So you can go back and listen to those on video. You can go back and listen to them on the podcast. If you want the exact numbers, they're number 82 and number 84 on the podcast. And he explains what growing small and building big is. I will give you a very brief synopsis. Growing small is that we are not gonna do the mega church model where we get more people, we'll build a bigger building and have more people be able to hide in that building, all right? We're not going there, all right? We are going to keep sending out to small church locations and the where our growth is gonna happen is not on a Sunday morning. We hope that you learn from a Sunday morning, but there's no accountability on a Sunday morning, all right? There's no day in, day out intentionality for a Sunday morning, all right? Where we're growing is through small groups, so if you are not part of a life group or where we're going, which is gonna be a discipleship in the future, groups in the future, or you're not part of a men's and women's Bible study, if you're not part of a small group doing life together, holding each other accountable, encouraging one another, motivating each other to do acts of goodwill, then you're not growing. And we want you to grow through small groups, all right? And then building big, we're thinking about the big C church. We're not just worried about our church. So yes, we're gonna have other renovation churches around this community. So we're gonna grow big that way, but also we're gonna grow big by we're partnering with churches in the local community. Anyone that's willing to work with us that believes that Jesus is the son of God and, and believes our, our basic tenets of Christianity, we want to partner with them. I don't care if they don't look like us, don't act like us, don't have services like us, but if they have the heart for Jesus like us, we wanna partner with them and grow the church and unify the church that way. So those, that's the basic gist of it. So before I go to the second half, and I'll, I'll tell you, we're gonna be looking at the where we are followers part. It's on page 13 if you wanna to flip to there. I wanna take you to scripture. I always wanna ground everything in scripture. So if you will turn to your Bibles in Matthew 16, and you do have Bibles in the pew that are the NIV, which is where I'll be reading from. If you're looking for Matthew, it's about three-fourths, almost four-fifths the way back. It's a lot further back than you think it is, okay? And so um, find Matthew, and we're gonna be looking at chapter 16. I would love for you to read along with me. We're gonna be reading two short passages from Matthew. All right, Passage one is going to start with verse 24. And this is where Jesus reveals to the disciples, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. Don't worry, though. I'll come back from the dead. 
And Peter's like, no, Lord. We will never let you be captured. We'll never let you be killed. And this is where Jesus pulls the get behind me Satan line, all right? His disciples are not getting it, all right? They think he's the Messiah, which they're right, but they think the Messiah is going to conquer physically, take over the Roman Empire with God's help and God's power and just rule the world. And that they're going to have all these these positions of privilege beside him because they're his disciples, the disciples of the Messiah. So that's where their mind is, and he is trying to break that mindset. And this is what he says in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. This is what Jesus is saying. If you want to be one of my disciples, you need to count the cost, because it means your whole life. And in our culture today, We are wired to live a life that is immersed in the world and then we do church on Sundays. And Jesus is saying you cannot compartmentalize like that. You just can't give me part of you. If you wanna be my disciple, you have got to give all of you. You have got to give your entire life. Your life is mine. I have to be Lord of your life. So everything you do is filtered through what do you want me to do, Lord Jesus Christ? It's an all-in commitment. That is how we find new life. We have to give ours over. And that sounds hard and that sounds miserable. And it is hard, but it's not miserable. Because beside us, he gives us peace and joy. He walks alongside us and gives us a hope for a future that is so much better than the, the life that we're living now. And so as followers of Christ, we are just going wherever he leads with our whole life because we trust him. All right, now we flip over a few pages to, to Matthew chapter 20, also looking at verse 24. And this is the scene where the brothers Zebedee, James and John, their mother comes and asks Jesus to give them the, the right hand of the father spot, right? And so all the disciples are like, I cannot believe you just asked that right now. Who do you think you are? Like that, that spot's reserved for me. Like I, I, you know, I know Peter is at least thinking that I'm closest to Jesus. And so they're arguing about this, and then verse 24, Jesus comes over and says this. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The king of kings and the Lord of lords came down as a helpless infant. He submitted to parents, he submitted to religious leaders, he submitted to the rules of the government of the day. And when he gathered his disciples, he gathered people that no one thought highly of. 
And he walked with them for three years, showing them exactly what it means to give back, to serve. Even when he was tired, he still healed. Even when he didn't want to, he still stayed around and taught the people that needed to hear. He went to the outcasts, the the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the Samaritan woman who had been divorced five times. He went to the people that you would think he would not go to because he was so great, and he humbly went to them and listened to them, had dialogue with them, had relationship with them, and said, these are the people I want to do life with. And then before he was gonna die, he, he, he got down on his hands and knees and he washed their feet. And I don't think that was the only time he served his disciples. He probably weirded them out all the time with the way that he would do things for them, which is unlike any other rabbi. He lived by serving and he poured out his life to ransom many. That is our model. So as followers of Christ, we must do the same and pour out our life and serve others. You will not be great in this kingdom, you will not be great in this church if you are wanting attention, if you're wanting accolades, if you want prestige. It's not gonna happen because that's not our culture, because that's not Jesus' culture. Why culture is so important is because it is what keeps you grounded. And I know theology does that to a certain level, but listen, lots of people heard Jesus' messages. Only 12 people got to see the culture day in and day out. Those are the men, when they saw him raised from the dead, they went out and changed the world. It was the people that had saw him live day in and day out. That culture is hugely important. If you've ever been working in a negative, toxic work culture, you know how important culture is. You want to be somewhere where the culture is positive. And so here, I'm gonna share with you what our culture is here at Renovation Church. First, we are Jesus followers first and foremost. That is our focus, that is our goal. Number two, we embrace the lowest place. That means we are willing to do anything. All right, if you tell us, to, tell us to pick up trash, we'll pick up trash, all right? You tell us to go serve in the kids' ministry, we'll serve in the kids' ministry. There's no position that is, is, is not good enough for us. We, we volunteer to go where the humble places are. That's the mentality that Jesus had, that's the mentality that we're gonna have at this church. Our character is consistent. We're not just gonna be who we are you know, looking all special on stage or performing at church or leading in a function. We're gonna be that way at work. We're gonna be that way at home. We're gonna be that way in the community. Our character is going to be consistent. We are not gonna be fake. We're gonna be authentic. We live out the gospel through generosity. This is not just money. Money is part of it. You have to like give money back to God so that that money doesn't steal our heart. But this is generous in every area of our life. Generous with our time, generous with our resources, generous with our homes, inviting people in. This, we are generous in every way, generous with our gifts. Some of you are extremely talented, but you're doing nothing for the church, all right? Like, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. We need every body part of the church working and functioning and healthy. And if we're missing body parts, we can't be that healthy body of Christ that we need to be. And so we need you working on this and we need that generosity of spirit. 
And we're generous because he is so generous with us. When I think of generosity, I don't think of, of tithing. I think of that parable of the, the, the debtor that was, that was not thankful. Where he gets forgiven this huge debt and then he turns around and he beats this other person that owes him a small debt because he did not get God's grace and his mercy. We need to be generous with forgiveness. We need to be generous with our grace and our mercy. We have faith for the impossible. Every step that we've made here at Renovation Church has seemed humanly impossible. People have told us that does not make sense. That is not logical. We're not worried about logic. If God is clear, we will follow wherever he takes us. Now, we're not gonna do foolish things without God being clear, but if God is clear, we'll go there. And then we talk about builders. How are we gonna do this big picture, all right? We are relentlessly committed to the Great Commission. We are gonna continue to make space so that people can come and hear about Jesus. We're gonna go out to the world and we're gonna preach the gospel. That's what he commissioned us to do in Matthew 28. That is what we're gonna do. That is our vision statement to go, to make disciples, to go make disciples. That's what we're about. We make room for people. That's why we're changing our service times. That's why we're, we're planning out possibly a third location like in the future, because that's where God is leading. We're going to make room for people. Greenville already is almost maxed out too. They went from about 75 to 100 people when they took over that, that place. We sent about 60 to 80, and now they have about 400 strong with two services. I mean, God is moving in amazing ways. We love the local church. We are gonna bless other local churches, not just ones that have Renovation Church's name, but we are gonna focus and allow people to do ministry at the local level. Central will not micromanage the local church. They are advisors and consultants. What will happen if there's a problem, because they don't directly influence this, they're not in charge, so to say, who is in charge is our elder board. Like if there are problems, we go to the elders and they will, they will make decisions for the, 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 the renovation church global. That is the plan, all right? And we are, we are currently working on developing local elders at each location. We're praying about that, we're thinking about that because we're gonna have local elders, but then we're gonna have a central elders for the big, the big picture decisions. But we love the local church and we want them to be able to do church without being micromanaged and, and also because we believe in the local ministries. And then we pursue unity. Unity among, obviously, renovation churches, but unity among the people inside our local churches and unity with other churches in the, in the global C church. We want to show the world that the love of Christ through how we love each other. That's what scripture says to do, that's what we're gonna do. And finally, our heart's desire is to see God move. Our heart's desire is to see God move. What do we want as Renovation Church? One thing, for God to be clear about where he wants to take us. That's the only thing we care about. Where he goes, we will follow. And so it makes it simple. That's why Jesus' yoke is easy his burden is light is because all we have to do is ask him that simple question, where next? What do I do next? Just one step ahead of the other. Where are you leading, Lord? That's where we're going. And so we're excited about where God is gonna move us and take us, and I hope that you are excited too. That's all I have for you, that was a lot. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm burnt out over here. I gotta go with this number service. All right, all right, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer and thank you for all that he's doing. Lord, thank you so much for what you have done, what you are doing, and what we know you're gonna do in the future. 
You have been so good to us. And we know that if we rest in you and we stay connected to the vine, that you'll continue to lead us to the promised land. You'll continue to lead us to blessing and meaning and purpose. And I pray pray that we will be a church that is responsive to your leading, that we will go wherever you lead us. And I mean that even on an individual level. If the Holy Spirit is knocking on anyone's heart this morning, I pray that they will talk to somebody. I pray that they will pray with somebody. I pray that they will get their issues resolved so they can be part of this body of Christ that is functioning, using their gifts for the way that you have called them. Thank you for all that you do for us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I dismiss you, just want you to know, you can keep the culture book, but if you know you won't look at it again, just leave it at the connections table. There's also digital cards, so you can take one of those cards and replace it with a physical copy of the book and do a digital download so you don't have to carry it around. You just have it wherever you want it. Church, we love you, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.